0: Vaccinations of children between the ages of 12 and 17 started on Wednesday this week. The South African government wants to increase the number of COVID-19 vaccinations of young people ahead of the matric final examinations. A single dose of Pfizer has been approved for children by South Africa's health regulator. Government had already made vaccinations available to all adults in a bid to reach a target of vaccinating 70% of the adult population by December. I'm Catherine Rice, journalist for News24's Multimedia Department, and this is The Story. This week, we'll find out whether you should approve the vaccination of your child, what the risks are, and what are the benefits. You're listening to The Story. It's a podcast by News24. We'll speak to journalists and experts about the week's biggest story. This is what we saw, heard, and uncovered this week. We're talking to News24 investigative journalist Kyle Cowan, who has covered the COVID-19 pandemic extensively. Kyle, we're still in the third wave of the pandemic. What are the current statistics?
1: At the moment, South Africa is recording about, on average, you know, over the last week, about 560 new COVID-19 cases a day. And this is very good news because we're approaching levels that we we last saw you know right at the beginning of the local epidemic sort of in march and april of 2020. there's been a decline in testing which is to be expected because not more people are showing up to be tested because they're not getting as sick but it hasn't been so significant that it has affected you know the sort of the very key metric which is the proportion of tests which are coming back positive this is around 2% now, which is exceptionally good news because it's, again, it's levels that we last saw very early on in 2020. Unfortunately, hospital admissions are, are, are still are still up. There are about 4,000 people still admitted to hospitals right now with COVID-19. But the rate at which people are being admitted to hospital is declining significantly as well. And, and this is also great news because you know, not as many people are getting sick, and and I think this is a, a very positive effect of, of the vaccines that we've administered so far. Unfortunately, South Africa has lost about 88,000 people officially to COVID-19, but if you look at excess deaths research done by UCT and the South African Medical Research Council, we've actually lost about 213,000 lives to COVID-19 since l- last year, April. And this is you know this is the reality of covid it, it is now in this year it has killed more people than anything else
0: are health authorities expecting a fourth wave
1: there's definitely fears of a fourth wave um, as far back as august you know while we were still sort of on the decline in the third wave but we were still very much in it you know the health minister joe pathler was was already talking about you know, concerns that a fourth wave might kick off before the third wave had finished completely and, you know, the strain that this would put on healthcare workers. And there's some worrying news out of the UK in the last couple of days. You know, there's a there's a new sort of sub lineage of the Delta variant, which is called a Y 4.2. And and this one, there's not much known about it at the moment, but it's it certainly seems to be responsible for a sharp increase in COVID cases in the UK and there's always that concern that you know we've seen how these variants spread around the world very very quickly and a new variant could introduce a completely new element to the pandemic which we haven't even considered yet and what has happened with delta and the third wave so there's definitely concern and i think there's definitely no reason for us to take our foot off the accelerator just yet
0: so it's certainly important that the government reaches its vaccination target of 70% of the adult population by December. But is that looking realistic?
1: It's not. You know, we, we have about 18 million adults, you know, on estimated 18 million adults in South Africa who have yet to receive even a first dose of the vaccine. And, you know, to, to reach a 70% target, we'd have to vaccinate another, you know, maybe 15 to 14 million people by in the next sort of 70 days you know before the end of the year but to reach that 70 percent target i think we'll probably only hit that around january and february
0: and kyle what about uh teenage vaccinations how many children are in this cohort
1: so according to un population estimates for south africa for 2020 there are about 6.2 million you know teenagers between the ages of 12 and 17 who are now eligible to get the vaccine it's a it, it's a strange strategy that the south african government has adopted they, they're saying that they won't allow these children yet to get the second doses of, of of the Pfizer vaccine, especially because of a an increased risk in myocarditis, you know, the inflammation around uh, muscles around the heart. And and this is quite strange because, you know, there, there isn't really a massive clinical benefit, you know, of vaccinating people in this age group. Yes, there are COVID cases amongst these, you know, people in this age group, and, and some of them have gotten seriously ill, but it, it's not such a massive proportion of our of our COVID burden that we would ex- have expected to see government opening vaccinations up to this age group just yet. But it will add significantly to government's sort of overall target of, of vaccinating significant, po- significant parts of the population. And we have to stress again that there is no danger in getting this vaccine if you're between the ages of 12 and 17. And in fact, it would be probably a very good idea considering that, you know, the COVID virus is still mutating. And at some point, we could face a mutation that is far, far more dangerous than what we are sitting with now.
0: That's a very worrying development. Thank you so much for your time. That was Kyle Cowan, investigative journalist for News24. We're now joined by family physician, Dr. Sherry Fanneroff. Thank you so much for your time. Dr. Fanneroff, a lot of parents are concerned about giving their children the Pfizer vaccine. Should they be?
2: As a parent myself of teenagers, I really do understand the concern. Parents want the best for their children. And there's a lot of misinformation out there. A lot of scare factor by groups who don't want, um, who, who are perhaps anti-vaxxers. And I do understand the concern. But what I think should reassure parents is that the vaccines really have been well tested and tested on a lot of people by now. The FDA has fully approved the Pfizer vaccine for use in individuals that are 16 years and older, and it has emergency use for 12 to 15 years. And vaccines had to go through an absolutely rigorous process with no shortcuts to get to that. And then also, you know, pediatric associations around the world have looked at the benefit-risk ratios and approved the data. So the South African Pediatric Association have recommended vaccines for teenagers. In the UK, the Royal College of Pediatricians, and in America, the American Academy of Pediatrics, who really want the best for our children are all endorsing vaccines and that's with analyzing all the available data that is available. Dr. Fanaroff, children are not
0: at risk of severe infection so why vaccinate them?
2: So you're right that most children are not at risk of severe infection but you know, if you, if you look at some of the stats that are available, so this week, the NICD had said that up until now, there have actually been 324 deaths in South Africa in children under the age of 19, and 11,000 children hospitalised, which is really not a nothing figure. So yes, it's a much smaller percentage than adults, and older adults, they are at least risk, but vaccinating your teenagers can still reduce that risk of death It reduces the risk of hospitalisation by a lot. In fact, an American study showed that children who were vaccinated were 10 times less likely to be hospitalised than unvaccinated children. It also reduces the risk of something like long COVID. So although children um, may get a really mild infection, as family doctors, we are seeing many, many children suffering with long COVID effects, which can be debilitating fatigue, brain fog, muscle pains that last for months and months. So vaccinating your kids can prevent that. And that's just the individual benefit that the, the main, one of the main reasons for vaccinating teens is because of the collective benefit, because of the higher number of people who are vaccinated contributes to community protection and reduces the risk of transmission, which then in turn reduces the risk of getting new variants.
0: Children between the ages of 12 and 17 don't need parental consent, but are they old enough to make that decision on their own?
2: Obviously there's a big discrepancy between a 12-year-old and a 17-year-old and also big differences between the maturity and the understanding of children. So it's quite hard to give a global yes, children can decide. Many of our teens are really well-read, well-versed in searching YouTube and the internet and finding out information teenagers are curious and questioning and they're making decisions about big important things every day so I do think that in general it's reasonable to give children a say Um, according to the child's act in South Africa children can consent to medical procedures um, including for example abortions So I do feel that they should be able to consent to vaccines. If you get a family who is understanding of the benefits of the vaccines, most likely those teens are are gonna very quickly say, I also wanna be vaccinated. I also want to have the protection. I also wanna move around. Whereas if you have parents who haven't been vaccinated, who are reading a lot of the the, um, anti-vax, misinformation that goes around or even just parents that are really worried I don't think that those teens are going to step forward and say I want a vaccine in general
0: there's certainly been a lot of fear about myocarditis can you tell us about that and is that the reason why children are only
2: getting one dose myocarditis is an inflammation of the heart muscle that will usually resolve within a few days in the cases that are reported So the risk of myocarditis in teenagers is given as around 65 per million cases from vaccination, and that's after the second dose of vaccination, whereas the risk of myocarditis having COVID infection is around 450 per million cases. So in other words, your risk of getting myocarditis from having COVID infection is around six times greater than the risk of myocarditis from a vaccine. Um, So the risk really is very small, although it's there. So in Israel, we've seen the highest figures given and they are saying that I think something like one in 50,000 vaccines may result in myocarditis. Myocarditis cases that have been reported are generally mild and have in the most part resolved within two or three days. So I do understand parents' hesitation. They they are scared of giving their children a long-lasting heart condition. But really, the risk is very, very small, whereas the risk of heart infections should your child contract COVID is actually a much higher risk.
0: Will a one-dose vaccination be recognised by other countries? Children going to study abroad, will they be able to do that with just one dose, will that qualify them for a
2: vaccination passport? So it qualifies them for a passport in South Africa. What we are still unsure of is what will happen in other countries. So for and I think that that parents planning to travel with their teenagers need to look at the policy of each country. There are other countries also giving one dose of vaccine. So, for example, in the UK, only one dose of Pfizer is given to children 12 to 15. The 16 year olds and older are getting two doses. So I would think that the UK will then accept one dose in children under 16. Um, in Hong Kong, they're also doing one dose. Um, in countries like Israel and the US, where teenagers are getting two doses of Pfizer, I don't know if our one dose is going to be accepted at this time. The reason that we are doing one dose of Pfizer and not two doses at the moment is that um, that the Sopra and the the um, Medical Advisory Committee are still looking at the risks of myocarditis. But my sense is that there's quite a good chance that they will approve a second dose for teenagers as well. And I think teenagers who are going abroad to study will be able to... to apply for a special case permission to get the second dose if they require it overseas. What possible side effects should children
0: look out for? Side
2: effects in children are very similar to side effects in adults. So the commonest one that we see is pain at the injection site, a bit of redness or swelling, a stiff arm. And that's really very similar to how how one feels after any vaccine a flu vaccine, a tetanus shot, it's the same kind of stiff sore arm. Um, And then also other common things that we see are headaches, muscle pains, dizziness, can have a fever, can have fatigue. Most of the side effects resolve in a day or two or three as a a kind of longish period. The recommendation is to take paracetamol, panado, or calpol. six hourly if you are feeling unwell if you are headachy but most of those will will go the side effect to watch out for in terms of watching out for something like myocarditis would be and this is especially in older teenage boys in particular because that's the risk the group that is more at risk and remember more at risk is still 65 cases per million it's not it's not expected that most boys are going to get this but the ones to watch out for are Um, chest pain, shortness of breath, a very fast heart rate or an irregular rate Um, and then for this reason the recommendation particularly in teenagers and older boy teenagers is to not do strenuous exercise for about a five, five to seven day period after getting a vaccine. So we're not saying do no exercise at all but certainly very strenuous cardiovascular activity, running, cycling um, intense training. That should preferably be avoided for a five to seven day period. And just
0: lastly, why Pfizer and not Johnson & Johnson, the one dose vaccine um, that Johnson & Johnson gives?
2: So a lot of parents have asked, well, if it is just one, can't we just get the J&J and then we know that that is considered fully vaccinated? The truth is that Pfizer is mostly, is, is the vaccine that has the most testing and the most studies done in this age group. And j doesn't have the data and the safety profile studies to support using it in, in teenagers at this stage. It's also likely a lot of new studies coming out that j may ultimately also become a two dose vaccine or certainly will, will require a booster at some stage.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time. I've already vaccinated my 15-year-old who is a type 1 diabetic and my 17-year-old, and I'm just so grateful because I think, you know, it's so important for these teenagers to get back to their old lives where they're able to socialize and hopefully the more of them that do it will be able to get back to the life they had before this pandemic. Thank you so much for your time. That was Dr. Sherry Fanarov. I'm Catherine Rice and this episode was produced with the help of Amy Gibbings.